Psalm 134. So it's all about praise. It's all about blessing. And and where are we at the moment? We are we are at the end of the pilgrimage. So we've been working through the Psalms of Ascent from Psalm 120 to 134 over the last uh, well two or three months now, uh, following the pilgrimage. So people would recite these Psalms as they went on pilgrimage to one of the great festivals of Jerusalem. Then they arrive in Jerusalem. So let me ask you a question. When you, what's, it, it's a wow moment is what's going on here for the pilgrims. They arrive at Jerusalem. It's a wow moment. Have you had a wow moment when something's just taken your breath away? Okay, Danny. Okay, you get the prize. First prize, seeing my wife enter the church on our wedding day. That is the correct answer. Excellent. Yes, that's the right answer. I'm not sure we can top that, but does anybody want to uh, to give us another example? The sea in a storm. Have you been on a been in a storm on a boat? Yeah, mm-hmm. Leia. Seeing seeing the beautiful sky sometimes, especially in the morning or at night, it's just incredible the way the, the way the the clouds are formed and the and the sun. You know. And uh, in the middle of the desert. Uh, took us a while to get there uh, on this um, sightseeing, sight-gazing trip where it was literally pitch black. You couldn't even see your hand in front of you. And then they get these powerful telescopes out. And even without a telescope, you can see the stars. It just doesn't look real. It mm. really is a wow, a wow moment. Um, seeing the stars is just so bright. Um, that's, that's, that was a wow moment for, for us. And also when I first came over, I visited, um, I also visited Jerusalem. I mean, you visit Jerusalem from the way we went from the south is, um, from north of uh, Egypt through Iliad to the south of Israel through. You drive through this tunnel for a while, and as you come out of the tunnel, you see Jerusalem on your left. And as you come out of the tunnel, the guy says, now look to your left, and you see Jerusalem. And everybody in the coach went, wow. There is something special about seeing Jerusalem for the first time as you enter it. Yes. Uh, and that, and I think for me, Niagara Falls, when I was maybe 12, seeing Niagara Falls for the first time, seeing this power, that was uh, also a wow moment. Thank you. A few wows. I'm going to read a few of them here in the chat. Leia getting a merit in grade three. Wow, was that flute? Grade three flute, I, I guess, right? Fantastic, a merit. I never got a merit. I don't think of anything. Wow. Leon going to going to Cornwall and seeing Stonehenge on the way. Yeah, when you see it, it's it's quite a wow moment that. Firework display, Elsie. Yeah, yeah, a really good firework display. Excellent. Like in your back garden. I've seen a couple of those. Um Oh, it was William, was it, for about Stonehenge? I guess. Am I getting that right? William, fantastic, good, okay. Seeing the pyramids of Giza, okay. And Penn, seeing the garden when we first came to see our current house. Yeah. Uh, Garth, Lissy, having the, having your children, right? Yeah, of course it's a wow. Yeah, dawn, the stars on a clear night every time. Sporting finals, huge stadium. Stadiums or stadia, dawn, teacher. Stadia, I think, right? Uh, Noise atmosphere, it's amazing. No, it is at a big sporting event. It's just stunning. Bill, 
waterfall in Cornwall called Golitha. Really? I haven't seen that. Sounds interesting. We need pictures of all these things. All right, I'm going to have to move on. But uh, the miracle of childbirth, Patricia, of course. I mean, both Fred and Lydia, our children, seeing them born, astonishing. There are actually lots of wow moments that strike us as we go through our pilgrimage of life. We have wow moment after wow moment. Sometimes there's a big gap in between them. But when we think and look back at life, there are those wow moments. And now we're at the end of this pilgrimage with our pilgrims here in the Psalms of Ascent. That's, this is what's going on for them. Uh, Stefan, can we have that slide of the map? If uh, So I think that's coming up next. Um, he talks about here. So I mean, there we go. So the red dot there, you've got a Jerusalem. And uh, he talks about in Psalm 120, woe to me that I live in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. So that's where he's beginning. He's saying, uh, and Psalm 120, the beginning of the Psalms of Ascent is a Psalm of repentance. Like, where, where am I? What am I thinking? So Kedar is this area over here. This area over here is a sort of Kedar region, which is far away from Israel and Jerusalem. And Meshech, he mentions in Psalm 120, verse 5, that's further north. I haven't put it on the map. But the idea is that he's symbolically saying, I should be here. I mean, this is where my heart and my mind should be. Jerusalem, Israel. But my heart and mind have been over here in Kedar. They've been up there in Meshech. I've been far away from where I need to be in my thinking and my life. It's time to get my heart and focus right. It's time to go back to Jerusalem to get my mind and heart back on God. And so that's where the pilgrimage begins. And now he's in Jerusalem and he's overwhelmed with joy. He's having a wow moment of all the pilgrims arriving. And as they walk into Jerusalem, or maybe they go like through that kind of tunnel as Danny was talking about, which didn't exist then, but that idea of coming out and seeing, seeing Jerusalem, it made them just burst out with praise. Uh, can we have a look at that video next, Stefan? I've got a short video to show you of the time when Penny and I were in um, in Israel uh, nearly two years ago. And uh, what part of what we did when we were in Jerusalem is went to see uh, the Jerusalem Museum, the Isra Museum of Israel, and a model of Israel around the time of Jesus. It's just a model, but just imagine you're in the first century, right? And you come across a city like this. You've been living in a village. You've never seen anything like this. You've never seen buildings like this. The, the, the biggest buildings you've probably ever seen are, are one story, maybe two stories. But then you get to see this huge city with all of the walls here, with the walls, with the temple, um, and, and, and all these buildings and tens of thousands of people. And for people, the pilgrims of Israel, to come to a place like Jerusalem would be I don't know exactly how to describe it, but somebody who'd never seen a city coming to see a city, someone who'd only ever lived in a village in the rural areas coming into a place like New York or something like that. And as they walk up, they are just blown away, not only, of course, by the size of the place and by the magnificence of the buildings, but because they know the history. They know this is David's Jerusalem. They know this is the city of David and Solomon. They know this is the place that God has chosen. They know this is the place where the temple is, where God's presence, the Shekinah, the glory of God, is present in the temple and reassures the people of Israel that he is with them. He is their God. They can count on him. And all of these feelings, the, the, the days, weeks, possibly of the pilgrimage, culminate in their arrival here in Jerusalem. And they are blown out of their tiny little minds. Next slide, please, actually, uh, Stefan. And, and then they come to these steps. So these are the steps we visited, which led up to the entrance into the temple. And they're still there to this day. And, and you'd, you'd walk up these steps through the gates, which are now blocked up, into the temple. And they, I think they're beside themselves. 
And that's why we have at the beginning of this, this psalm, just this short, these three verses of praise. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. This is astonishing. You who minister by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, from, from Jerusalem. He who is maker of heaven and earth. And so what they're realizing is, we are here where God is, where God dwells. We are here with God. And I think they see Jerusalem and they see the temple and they are, they are astonished and they have their wow moment. But they know, as, we, as is expressed in this psalm, they know it's not about the building. They know it's not really about the city. They know it's about the fact that they are here with God. In other words, it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. It's not about the destination. Or the destination is the relationship, not the location being the destination. So uh, it's my mother's birthday next uh, on this coming Friday. And I'm planning to visit <clears throat> on Saturday. I'm going to go visit my mum for her 84th birthday. And the idea is to visit her, not to look at the house and say, oh, that's nice. Look, my parents' house. Let me have a look around my parents' house and garden. I mean, they are nice, but that's not the point. I, the, the house and the garden are lovely, but the point is to see my mum. And getting to Jerusalem is amazing for them. Getting to see the temple is amazing for them. But the point is it's about the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is maker of heaven and earth. And so the, the key thing we're going to be talking about today is what happens when you arrive? What happens for you and I, now that we have a relationship with God, what happens when we've arrived at that relationship? What happens to us? What does it mean that we have this relationship with God? And we're going to talk about two simple points and then have some discussion. Firstly, let's think about why we can enjoy giving praise to God. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you. Why we can enjoy giving praise to God, which is what they do. They burst out in, in praise. One of the reasons is I think they're able to, in the context of understanding that God is with them, to put aside all the other things that have been troubling them. Other things have been troubling them as they trouble us. Of course they do. But they're able to put that aside because they realize here we are with God. I've arrived. I am with God. In his book on these Psalms, uh, Eugene Peterson, along obedience in the same direction, writes this about this psalm. The great promise of being in Jerusalem is that all may join in the rich temple worship. You are welcome now to do it. Come and join in. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. Did you have a fight with your spouse on the way? That's all right. You are here now. Bless God. Did you quarrel with your neighbor while making the trip? Forget it. You are here now. Bless God. Did you lose touch with your children while coming and aren't sure just where they are right now? Put that aside for the moment. They have their own pilgrimage to make. You are here. Bless God. Are you ashamed of the feelings you had while traveling? The grumbling you indulged in? The resentment you harbored? Well, it wasn't bad enough to keep you from arriving. And now that you are here, bless God. Are you embarrassed at the number of times you quit and had to have someone pick you up and carry you along? No matter. You are here. Bless God. 
I like what he's saying there. We do have our challenges. We have the challenges in the Christian life. We, we aren't perfect. We make mistakes. And, and it's a challenge to us all. But we're on the right pilgrimage and we're going to the right place. In one sense, we have arrived because we have a relationship with God. And of course, in another sense, we are still yet to arrive because we haven't yet got to the next life. But since we already have God, we can bless God. We can praise God. Even in our imperfections, even though you had a rotten, rotten day, even though you had a tough week, even though you argue with your boss, even though you're, you and your wife and her husband aren't getting along too well, even though you're worried about your children, all the things that Eugene Peterson talked about in that uh, paragraph, even though that is a reality, still we can bless and praise God because we have already, in a sense, arrived. We are with him now and we can celebrate that and enjoy that now. We've been accepted. We are secure. We can have another slide, actually, Stefan, if you don't mind. So these are the how the priests would be dressed in the first century, in the, at the time of, of the, not in the first century, so at the time of the writing of the psalm. On the left of your screen, you have a typical uh, priest, and on the right, that's the clothing a high priest might wear, particularly when going into the Holy of Holies. And so this, the, these are the priests, and they were marked out with special sashes, with special robes, with special headgear, with special uh, the, the urim and thurim. They, they got special things. But we are these priests, and we can go off the screen now, thanks, Stefan. We are now the priests, right? We are the servants of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. That's you and me now. For, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us into a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We are a kingdom and priests to serve God. So these are, that, this applies to us. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And he, uh, in the psalm, it says, lift up your hands, uh, sorry, who minister by night, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. And I think what this is referring to is essentially priests on security duty. Uh, they're sort of, um, they're, they're just keeping watch on things. They might be tending some fires in the temple. It's possible they may be a part of a, a, a leftovers of a feast, but more likely they're just the people, the priests in the temple at night, keeping it secure, keeping out people who shouldn't be there, just looking after the place and making sure it's safe. It's not a very exciting job, but he's saying even you that are in there at night, kind of just wandering around, making sure things are safe without much excitement going on. You need to, you need to lift up your hands. You need to praise the Lord. You need to remember why you're there. Your life might seem a bit dull. Your tasks might seem a bit mundane. They might not seem very important. But you and I, all of us, whatever our role in the kingdom of God, whatever God, wherever place God has put us in, in our life, we can join in this eternal, awesome, majestic praise of, of God. And that's really important because I know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like my life matters, accounts for very much. And maybe you feel like that sometimes yourself. You don't have a big part to play. You don't have a big role. You're not famous. You haven't got some big way of influencing things. Even the small things matter. The way that we conduct even the small things in our lives matters to God because, because everything is done for him. We work as for the Lord, not for man, in our jobs and the things that we do. And we can all praise the Lord in whatever we do. We praise God when we're driving. We praise God when we're eating or cooking our meals. We praise God when we are doing the small things, the mundane things of life. That's, that's what we can do. We praise him in all circumstances. 
and we are safe and accepted just as the pilgrims were now safe in Jerusalem and the priests were safe in the temple they are there they are secure they stand it says lift up your hands in the sanctuary uh, uh, and praise the Lord you uh, servants who minister by night can also mean stand by night it's about security and safety they are meant to be there they are called to be there in the house of the Lord and they praise the Lord we likewise if we are people of the Christian faith uh, we have security with Christ we are part of his household uh, Ephesians 2 19 consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household members you are a member I, it doesn't matter how you feel what matters is what God has done he's given you a key to the house you are part of the kingdom you are in his house uh, as I as some, most of you know our son Fred is moving this weekend we helped to, to uh, move furniture yesterday and there's a bit more to be done today but he's got a key now to his new studio flat up in the in Croxley Green and he's got a key and um, that's it you know he's in um, no one's gonna question his right to be there he's got a key he's got a contract and he's got a key and th this is how we are with God sometimes we don't feel we deserve to be there perhaps these pilgrims don't feel they deserve to be in Jerusalem they're not worthy of worship at the temple but if we have Christ we have been accepted we can stand secure knowing we are in the household of God what an astonishing thought and if that doesn't make us praise God and bless him then what will that's enough even on its own so quick question for us uh, for, for, the, for the chat box what are some reasons why we can be secure and know that we are safe with God what are some things that tell you that you're safe with God history okay Dawn right you've seen God take care of you before yes and when we look back we can see that God was there even in tough times right yeah so looking back over the history of our lives helps us to be reminded that we do have this security good thank you rainbows <laughs> yeah thanks Ben yeah a creation right nature the, the power in it the beauty in it uh, and the rainbow that because God gave Noah and gave humankind to reassure us that that's the last time God's gonna do that excellent yeah oh, some more Stefan the promises of the scriptures about God's grace in other words there's now no condemnation yeah Romans no one can snatch us out of his hand right and Liesel scriptures again I can do everything through him who gives me strength Philippians 4 right yes Simon understanding what the Bible teaches just understanding it and knowing how helpful it is you know certainly creation is a big one for me just the, the way that the world and the universe have been set up give me assurance uh, Anetta scriptures like 1st Corinthians 10 1st Peter 5 the beauty of nature the goodness of some foods all right God made things for us to enjoy God's creation God's patience yeah God's patience with you and me with humankind pretty good reasons to wipe us out by now but he hasn't done so a lot of patience there okay and I would say the sacrifice of Christ right the the fact that the father was willing to send the son gives me great security that he's going to accept me and finally the spirit I would say 
Um, one of my favorite passages in the whole New Testament, Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. We have the guarantee of the Spirit. So there's lots of reasons for us to enjoy giving praise to God and praising him, but also to receive blessings. Verse 3, may the Lord bless you from Zion, the he who is the maker of heaven and earth. This could be read as the pilgrims in verses 1 and 2, urging the priests in the temple to praise God, praise the Lord, lift your hands, and then the priests saying back to the pilgrims, and may the Lord bless you from Zion. It's kind of going uh, both ways here. Some kind of antiphonal thing going on between uh, the pilgrims and the priests. Maybe it's a bit like that. There's a phrase I really like that's part of what's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, written in the 1600s, where they were working on creeds and ideas of what it meant to be a Christian, um, particularly between England and Scotland, but that's a whole other story. But there's a phrase in there which I love, and it says simply this, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Man's chief end, humankind, man's chief end is to, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's one short little phrase which is packed full of meaning. And I think this psalm comes out of that or perhaps expresses that. What, what are we for? Who are we in our relationship with God? We are here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Be blessed by God. Receive God's blessings. Receive God's strength. That's what God wants for us, to enjoy him forever. So the blessings go both ways. We praise him. The word praise and bless are the same in, in Hebrew. So we bless him, we praise him. He, he blesses us. It goes both ways. When he blesses us, this is a quote from a commentary, when he blesses us, he reviews our needs and meets them. When we bless him, we review his excellences and worship him. I like the way that's put. When he blesses us, he reviews our needs and meets them. When we bless him, we review his excellences and worship him. There's two, it's a two-way relationship here like all relationships are the relationship is the point not the arrival in jerusalem not be, being a tourist looking around at all the buildings the point is to be there with him in other words i would say this for us in the new covenant the point of a relationship with god is not going to heaven and that might sound controversial but i'll explain that obviously we are going to be with god forever but the point is not oh now i'm right with god now nothing else matters i'm just going to heaven that's it you know i'm just that's where i'm going the point is the relationship. So it's not about I'm getting saved, now I'm going to heaven. The point is I am now one with the Father who created me 
now, between now and when I get to be with him in eternity, I'm growing to learn, I'm learning about him. I'm growing in my relationship with him. I'm learning how to enjoy him. Surely that's his heart for us. The rest of our lives on this earth are about us learning how to enjoy him. Now, part of that is serving him and serving the people he puts in our lives. But it's about enjoying him. And I think the more we enjoy him now, the more we'll enjoy being with him forever. Something seems to work there with that. So I think the question for us to think about is, fundamentally, how much do we really believe God wants to bless us? Or how much do you really believe God wants to bless you? There's so much evidence that he does, but do we really believe it? You know, uh, the reason I'm, one of the reasons I'm wearing this shirt today is because this is a shirt that needs cufflinks. Which I don't often wear shirts like that. I, this is actually the wedding, the shirt I wore to my daughter's wedding. But the reason I'm wearing it today is to show off my wife's wedding anniversary present to me, uh, which is these jade cufflinks. And uh, because we've been married 35 years this year, uh, as of Monday, and 35 is jade, apparently. is, uh, And so uh, she bought me these jade cufflinks as a wedding anniversary present, which are lovely, so that's why I'm wearing them. And the point of the cufflinks, though, is not, at least I'm, I'm assuming this is right, Penny, so you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. But the point of the cufflinks is not to give them to me so that I will love her. It's not to say, oh, I need to do this because I must love and because if I want our marriage to continue, I must give you things. That's not the point. I don't see these cufflinks as a way of, of uh, affirming uh, a, uh, um, that I will then decide I will love her for the next 35 years or however long we get. That's not the point. The, these are an expression of love. These are an expression of commitment to um, our wedding, our marriage, our, our relationship. And I think that's the way we're meant to be with God, where it's not that we do things because it makes him happy, like, like then we're more likely to be able to go to heaven. We do things, we serve him, we minister as ministers in his temple now. We do so because of love. That's why we do these things. The point is not the stuff. The point is the relationship and expression of love. So we're going to go to our breakout rooms now for a while. And I, I think what I'd like us to discuss is a couple of things. What stimulates us to praise God? What draws out of us that desire to bless him and to praise him? What sorts of things, when you look back in your life and you think about your relationship with God, what sorts of things stimulate you to do that? And secondly, what helps you to enjoy God? How do you know when you're enjoying God? What does it mean to you to enjoy God? So let's talk about the things that stimulate us to praise him and the ways in which we can really enjoy him. I think um, what I enjoyed about our group is the variety of things that stimulates praise to God. And it ranged from music to singing to nature, big and small, the, the cosmos down to uh, Lynn shared, even the smallest, tiniest things of, what we can see through microscopes and answered prayers, the way God changes lives. There's such a variety of things 
um, rather than one highlight, the highlight for me is that there are actually so many things in our small little group that that is praiseworthy, it stimulates praise in us. And, and I think there are even more um, than that. So it's not the one thing, it's a variety that, that's the highlight. Oh. That's a great point. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different things to cause us to praise God or enjoy him. And then Penny makes the point in the chat that Garth and Lissy have lots of good ideas for morning devotions. So Garth and Lissy, when are you going to write the book? Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Love to, love to see those and hear those. Maybe I can encourage us with the, with the thought of exploring what it means to enjoy God. I think it's a little bit more normal for us to discuss what causes us to praise God, to give him glory, uh, lots of different ideas. But I don't think we talk so often about what it means to enjoy God. And I think that might be a useful thing for us to reflect on, meditate on, pray about, and perhaps discuss in our families or between ourselves off offline, is what does it mean to really enjoy him? He created us to enjoy him. That was what it was meant to be in Eden, right? Adam, Eve, and the Lord enjoying each other. And we're meant to be able to do that now on some level that will be in all its fullness in the next life, but nonetheless now. And when you read some of these Psalms, like this one, I think it helps us to realize that there's meant to be that kind of closeness of ability to connect and praise and enjoy praising him, but also being blessed by him and those blessings are generally not primarily they're not material in the sense that god wants to make us say rich or something that's not the point but there's what kind of blessings do we receive and can we expect since we have a loving father who wants us to enjoy him and enjoys being with us so let's think about that somewhat thanks for anetta for your thoughts there as well yeah through the church so let's think about that and taking bread and wine, as we're going to do now, actually I think does help, I should hope it would help us to be convinced of God's desire to, to be with us, to be with you personally. That's why Jesus went to the cross. In Hebrews 12, verse 22 to 24, it says, You have come to Mount Zion, because Zion is mentioned here. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Not a material Jerusalem, a heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, paralleled in the Old Covenant by the thousands upon thousands of pilgrims in joyful, pilgrims in joyful assembly at a festival in Jerusalem. But you've come to a thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven in the heavenlies you have come to god the judge of all to the spirits of the righteous made perfect to jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of abel abel's blood was shed in vengeance but the blood of jesus is shed in love for us so that we can enjoy God. Let's pray together.